Hello, hello, hello. It is Brooke Walker with Exceptionally Effective Esquire, and I am here this week, and we are gonna talk about anxiety. I know it's everybody's favorite subject. <laughs> um, so last week, I hope you guys had a chance to check out last week's podcast. We discussed um, goal setting and how to make that work in your life. If you haven't had a chance to check that one out, make sure you go back and, and check it out. We talked about the five things you need to achieve your goals. This week, we're gonna talk about anxiety. More importantly, we're gonna talk about what anxiety is and what it isn't and what, um, how, to, how to begin to resolve anxiety in your life. And there are the small things you can do, there are the large things you can do, but the first thing that I really like to let people understand and know about anxiety is anxiety is a symptom. Anxiety is not the problem. You don't go in and treat anxiety. I mean, you can if you're in such a dire situation that it's begun to cause physical problems and take over your life. But for the most part, anxiety is going to be the reaction to long-term stress for multiple reasons and an inability to feel in control of your life. What happens with anxiety is when anxiety begins to come on, it begins to create physical reactions to long-term situations that you have had um, untamed, unchecked, and out of control. So we're going to talk about how to address this. We're going to talk about why it's up in your life, because if you have anxiety, there is something that um, needs to be addressed. Like I said, anxiety is a symptom. Anxiety is not the problem. And if you don't address the actual problem that's causing the anxiety, you're going to continue to have anxiety. So one of the things you have to do is get to the root of the problem and figure out where the anxiety is coming from and why and how you can manage the situation so that you can be more in control of your life. And I know that it's, it's been interesting. This, one's been, this has been on the top of my list to do. I had a couple podcasts I wanted to get out before this, but I've had so many people talk to me about their anxiety lately. Um, people in my family, my children, um, I know that I fought with anxiety for the longest time. It is not something I deal with very often anymore. I, I would say that I almost have an anxiety-free life. There are things that come up in my life, but I feel so incredibly prepared to handle them. And that's because I've just spent so much time working on myself. And that's really what all of this is about, is teaching you guys how to do this. Because the problem, when you have a problem like anxiety, is that it leads to creating other problems in our life. So um, there's something I like to refer to as basically like the doctor effect. So the doctor effect is you've got stress in your life and it's causing you to have high blood pressure. So you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a blood pressure medication and then that compounds into another issue and then the blood pressure causes other problems not only and the reason that you have the blood pressure problems is because you have a little more stress than you need you're not exercising enough um, you're not eating healthy so instead the doctor puts you on a medication 
and then it just causes another set of issues. So now you need a medication for the medication or the medica or, or you're just bouncing around on different medications and you have never gone back and taken away either the stress, helped change the diet or added exercise into your life. That is the way that most people run their lives all the time. We are looking for a way to put a band-aid on a situation so that we can keep going at the same rate in the same level of stress without fixing any of the problems that are there. If you don't go back and fit and, and what happens is, is as these stresses progress and things continue, what you're really doing is you're just setting yourself up for larger problems down the road. So, what ends up happening is, in, is down the road you end up having a heart attack. Your, your body will begin to shut down because you've ignored and you've put band-aids on the problem. And it's like when your engine light comes on in your car and you just take a Sharpie and, and write over it and you just cover it in in black. If the engine light comes on, it's telling you that there's something you need to look at. Could be something incredibly minor. Could just be that you left the gas cap off. But if you continue to ignore that problem, you're gonna have a breakdown eventually. This is a physical thing too. This is something that's incredibly, anxiety is one of the top problems in the legal profession. And we're gonna talk about why it's one of the top problems in the legal profession. We're gonna talk about why people are addressing it completely wrong. And I'm not against, if you are having severe problems, I am not against you needing needing help in the sense of if you need to go get on an antidepressant to begin to manage the situation get on an antidepressant but if you're treating that as the solution rather than a band-aid which a band-aid is a temporary thing that you use for a short period of time so that you can get healing without having outside things continue to aggravate the situation A Band-Aid, I'm going to say that again, is a temporary solution. There are people who go on antidepressants for long periods of time, but if you are trying to do something without handling the root problem, you are going to come circle back and you are eventually going to have a breakdown. So anxiety showed up for me just kind of to share how I've played with this in my life and how I overcame it. Anxiety was something I was raised in. I was, I began having anxiety probably before the age of 10. Um, for those of you who don't know, I was raised in a very dysfunctional cult. Um, I, I think all cults are probably dysfunctional. <laughs> I don't think that that added part is needed. But anyway, um, I think if you're in a cult, it's probably dysfunctional. But anyway, um, I was raised in a cult and I you know I'm gonna touch on this regularly because I think it's important to understand like when I, when somebody's come out of the level of dysfunction that I've come out of and big and learned how to reverse it you know there's an enormous amount of value in how to heal these things so the anxiety that I grew up in was a couple different things for one it was that I had completely been taken all of my control of my life away I was very dependent and that was the way that those situations are set up to be they're set up to be 
the type of situation where you have given your power away so somebody else is taking control of the situation so but you also have all these outside factors that you don't know how they're going to play into your life and so you're consistently just in reaction to everything around you anxiety is a big part of it is being in reaction to everything around you rather than being proactively making decisions and i mean we could compare this to so many different things i see it in so many places but if you're in the legal profession there are so many things that are out of your control but there's so many things that you're in your that are in your control that you've probably given away you know we pursue things in our life and sometimes when they don't fit with our values and we're not running along when we're not running along in a path and we give things up because we feel like that's what we have to do to get to an end goal oftentimes that's how we begin to under negotiate who we are we don't follow within our values and i talk about values a lot values are very important we're going to have a whole talk on values um so it begins with going to law school and being in a position where you know you're giving up a lot of things for this end goal it could be giving up time with family could be giving up time um you know free time it could be giving up hobbies and there becomes a point where you're always negotiating things out of your life for this end goal and being a high performing person is about knowing the things that should be there the things that shouldn't be there and knowing the difference the other thing that happens with a lot of lawyers especially young lawyers is they end up joining firms and taking cases um, that are very traumatic so and it could be falling into a type of law that you were not particularly excited to jump into I think that there's an I've talked to so many attorneys who ended up finding themselves in family law when they never intended to get into family law family law is an incredibly stressful type of law you are dealing with people um, who are definitely and I think lawyers in general are dealing with people who are definitely in their worst state but family law, you're really looking at the ugly, the, <laughs> the ugly underbelly of the legal system. I mean, two people in a divorce, I don't know if people get much nastier than two people in a divorce. And I think it is a beautiful thing when you see two people who are trying to negotiate and um, collaborate. But usually there's so many hurt emotions that it's just, it's it is a battle for the children it's a battle for the assets it's a battle for that you know and there's these all these power plays that come into place and accusations between infidelity between hiding money between um, all these different things so there's a lot of times you find yourself in these situations where you're representing you're representing somebody and you may love them you may hate them you may you know fall anywhere in between and it can also be incredibly stressful on you but there's so many attorneys who find themselves falling into a legal field that they didn't necessarily want or they take a job because it's a really good opportunity and all of a sudden they've given an enormous amount of their power away now most of you if you do this it's probably because you had this at an earlier time in your life we don't just find ourselves in a situation and it be the brand new thing it usually we have 
had something that's happened in our life and so we continue to bring that back into our life because we haven't healed it yet. If that doesn't make sense, let me explain it a little bit differently. You grow up with something and you continue to create that same type of thing in your life until you've worked on or healed that issue. Um, so for me, for example, growing up the way that I grew up, I continued to bring, once, even once I got out of the cult situation, I still continue to bring very narcissistic people into my life. I actually hired several people um, as coaches for me who were exactly like the people that I had gotten away from. And it's because there's a comfort to those things. So if you have anxiety in your life, it, and anxiety is a fight or flight response. What happens, let's talk about the physical things that happen when you have anxiety. So the physical things that happen when you have anxiety for long periods of time is it causes physical problems. So when it turns on your fight or flight response, your sympathetic nervous system, um, your heartbeat increases, you're, you're more likely to sweat, you breathe more heavily, internally your body um, is actually responding as if you were being attacked by a bear or a lion. The problem is, is that there's nothing like that. So your, your body is reacting in a way, in a survival mechanism. The other thing is that your digestion turns off, your sexual organs turn off, your ability to think turns off. That's a big one. Your ability to think turns off when you're under large amounts of anxiety. And if you were, and the whole purpose of this, this is a evolution, this is an evolutionary response so that our bodies can survive if you were attacked by a wild animal. And so the most important things in the body are more blood is sent to those systems so that you can react quickly and you can run away from a situation or fight a bear or whatever that would be. We are turning on these situations by our thoughts at this point in our life. If you were raised in a situation where this was something that commonly had to be brought up or where you were raised in anxiety, then it is an emotional response that your body is used to and actually can become addicted to and can actually crave. You may create drama in your life to continue having anxiety because it is comfortable for you because you were raised in something dysfunctional. And nobody wants to look at that these problems started from somewhere. And a lot of people have difficulty realizing that this is also something that when you realize it's something that you can have some control over, it also means that you can heal it. It also means that you can create something better. And when you begin to recognize these situations, it gives you the absolute power to change it and to make something completely different. So let's talk about how horrible anxiety over a long period of time, how that will begin to have physical manifestations in your life. So growing up the way that I grew up in this very, you know, in, in a having no power over my life, which roughly started before I was 10 years old, what began to come out of that is by the time I was 14, I was having migraines, I was fainting, 
I was having panic attacks. Like that is the amount of anxiety that I had at 14 years of age. Because I was in a situation where I didn't know, I didn't have help, I didn't have support as far as like my parents were there, but my parents were, you know, part of the reason I had the whole situation. There was nobody in my life who could help me learn to deal with stress or how to deal with why I was such a stressed out child. And so what ended up coming out of that is the panic attacks would continue and increase. I mean, I was having panic attacks. I was having horrible panic attacks that I, you know, why I was driving down the road, almost fainting while driving with two children by the time I was in my early 20s. I was using, I was smoking heavily. I was drinking heavily. And these are all like techniques that we begin employing because we don't know how to deal with it. I was on antidepressants. And I started using and, and doing these things because I didn't know how to deal with what I was going through. I thought there was something just wrong with me physically. And that's what happens is it becomes a physical reaction to an emotional situation that you have ignored for way too long. And before I really began dealing with my anxiety, I mean, I'll tell you what the major catalyst was. I did realize, I did begin to realize that there was emotional issues that I wasn't dealing with, but I also wasn't in the situation to look at them. You know, if you're trying to escape a, a burning building, you don't sit and think about, <laughs> you don't sit and think about um, why you're, <laughs> why your um, stress levels have gone up while the, while the building is burning. You just fucking get out. You have to get out of the building before you can address who lit it on fire. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that happen in our childhoods that you can't address from that point of view. You have to be an adult and go back and look at from an, uh, from an adult point of view as to why things may have been the way they are, but now how to look at it in a position. And you, when you look back at something, you are not the same person. Like you are capable of handling it, you know? So I didn't get out of the cult until I was in my thirties. <laughs> so it was very hard to address all of these things while still in the middle of it, the fire, I guess is how you, I would say it best. So, and one of the catalysts was I had so much anxiety by the time I was, but by the time I was 30, my panic attacks and my fainting were so severe. I had been sent to a heart, I was going to a heart doctor. And I mean, this was a really big wake up call, you guys. It's an incredibly big wake up call. Like my body was desperately screaming at me that everything was off. I am in phenomenal health. There is no reason a 30-year-old should have that many health problems. But if you've ignored the fire that's <laughs> burning around you long enough, this is what will end up happening. And I try to be somewhat light about this because I have worked so hard to get through this. And I think that there's so much power in getting to the other side of anxiety. But by the time I was 30, I needed heart surgery. That was how 
bad it had gotten. And I remember I start going to the doctor and I'm having panic attacks and they put me on a heart monitor and they send me to a cardiologist who's a specialist. And I mean, I, I'm sitting in, this is still funny to me, even though there's a morbid part that this isn't funny at all, but I'm sitting in the um, doctor's waiting room and this is a very busy uh, cardiologist and I'm sitting in the waiting room and they call me up and I am by far the youngest person in that waiting room I mean I'm 30 and everybody else who's in there who's getting seen for anything is probably 60 plus <laughs> so as I'm sitting there they call my name and I go up and the woman assumes because my mom is with me that we must be there for an appointment for my mother <laughs> so the uh, receptionist like well just have her and she's telling me how to tell my mom how to fill out the paperwork and I'm like no it's for me so you have to understand like life your body is telling you it is screaming at you if you are having severe anxiety situations your body is screaming at you that something is wrong in your life and the longer you ignore it the sooner you're gonna die and I, my quality of life was gone because I was such an emotional wreck from the amount of anxiety that I had been through for such an incredibly long period of time. My body couldn't, my body had been in it in t for 20 years. So if you have just begun to bring anxiety into your life and you didn't grow up in something dysfunctional, but you started into it through law school and then becoming an attorney and, you know, I guarantee you, you're going to burn the fuck out. You cannot go 120 miles per hour and when the engine light comes on, just pull out a Sharpie and, and cover that shit up and expect that the car is not going to break the fuck down. When every alarm is going off, anxiety is an alarm telling you something ain't fucking right. So, Let's talk about what's not right. At some point you have given your power away for what you're doing right now. You have negotiated something that doesn't work for you. It could be that you are completely out of balance. Maybe you work 24 seven and the rest of your life is falling apart. You know, maybe your relationship with your children or your spouse or your loved ones or your family is it. it and, and that's always a difficult one for people because so many people, when they're working, they feel like everything they're doing is for their family and for the people they love. So the idea that everything, so the idea that something is off seems like, well, but I'm doing it for you. I, I, I'm creating this to create a life that you know, will be something that we can share together. I'm doing this so that I can pay for X, Y, and Z. I'm doing this so that we can, you know, go here. I'm doing, there's all these reasons why we are trying to create something incredibly beautiful in our life, but that doesn't mean that things are not driving down the wrong track. And it doesn't mean that you have to give up where you're at. It, could, it just means that something's not working and internally your body knows it you know it it could be that you're on the wrong path for you 
maybe maybe the decisions that have led you to the law firm that you're in or what you've created are not really where you want to be which doesn't mean you don't want to be an amazing attorney or you know amazing at your profession in whatever legal capacity you're in but maybe you're just maybe there's something about the type that doesn't work for you I have changed parts of what I work with because I know how to recognize at this stage what doesn't work for me. And I don't let it take me to <laughs> a panic attack or heart surgery before I listen to the signs that my body's giving me. I turned all that stuff off so long. I turned, I turned off listening to myself because I had to to survive for a very long time. But you have to begin to learn how to turn those things back on and listen to your inner guidance. And some people are better at this than others. Some people, you know, I'm surprised all the time by the people who absolutely ignore um, their gut. Like, and I guarantee you, if you're somebody who doesn't trust yourself, you know when you do it. You may not know how to listen to that small voice, but I tell you, you begin if you begin to listen and you begin to pay attention, which a lot of us begin ignoring these things because we don't really want to look at the problem. And, I, and sometimes when you begin to look at all this stuff, it is painful to look at. We've spent so much time looking away from these situations that looking at it seems completely overwhelming and it almost feels like it's going to cause more anxiety to address the issue than it would be to continue pushing it all under the rug. I guarantee you that's not true, but it's like opening the floodgates. You feel like so much is going to pour out that you don't even know if you'll ever be able to stop it. You feel like there's so many things you've swept away or or avoided that it's going to be too difficult to address now. But if you don't, you're, wait, you're, you're just a ticking time bomb. You're a ticking time bomb that is waiting to um, explode. And I guarantee that you're probably using something to continue going at the rate that you're going. When I was having chronic migraines, I depended on Advil. Depended on Advil because if I wasn't taking something to manage the migraines, I couldn't go to work some days. But, go, but not going to work was not an option for me. I was a single mom, I had two young children, I had to go to work because I could not miss a day of work because I could not miss a paycheck. I could not miss a paid hour. And you know, there was a there was there was a long time in my life that I um, I drank very heavily. I had an enormous amount of anxiety at the time, and um, I thought that it was a solution. It was one of the ways that people in my family had coped in life. So it seemed like the best way to deal with stress was to drink. I became the person who was putting alcohol in my coffee cup. So you know those um, those take home <laughs> those take home coffee cups. 
I used to, I used to have one of those and I'd put vodka in it and I would use that to start my day because I was afraid if I did, if I didn't keep myself numb, that I wasn't going to be able to function. That is not a way to live. It's a way to die quickly. I will tell you that. And I was never dangerous in the sense of like I was a responsible alcoholic. <laughs> I was never driving around drunk or anything like that. I was never in a position that I was going to hurt anybody or anything. But if you're starting your day on alcohol, I can tell you right now that you've got, we've got work to do. And it's okay. There's a million people who've been in your situation. You're numbing. You are numbing. And we are going to talk next week is actually going to be completely about numbing and all the things we do to numb. There are a ton of things we can do to numb. But if you're numbing anxiety, we need to begin to learn how to cope and get the tools to deal with the anxiety. So, um, you know, I'm going to be putting out some stuff with some meditations and breathing techniques because I think that, that they are incredibly important to initially within a minute or two be able to relax and uh, turn off the fight or flight response. I'm a big proponent of meditation and breathing. And the reason I'm such a fan of meditation and breathing is because it is something that can within one or two minutes immediately get you out of the fight or fight fight or flight response and get you back into a parasympathetic response so um sympathetic just kind of briefly and you guys will learn real quick that i love nerdy science and why things do the things they do because i think as adults learners and especially attorneys i know you guys like your research um, we like to know what causes any given situation and what the reaction is. So fight or flight response. So there's the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. If you're in fight or flight, your body is not in healing mode. And if you are in healing mode, you cannot be in fight or flight because of the stress hormones that turn on when you're in fight or flight. There's a, there's a bunch of stress hormones that turn on, including the amygdala. So the amygdala, the amygdala is an almond-sized little thing in your brain, and it is what basically sends out this, this signal to your body to begin dumping hormones when you're in fight or flight. Now, if you were out in the woods and a bear came upon you, the amygdala is gonna to begin to shout, we need to get out of here, we need to run, we need to fight for our life for survival. So it's going to begin to induce dropping stress hormones into your body, it's gonna increase your heart rate, it's going to turn off the the organs that are not necessary. So you, you don't need to digest food in that moment. You don't need to have your reproductive organs functioning. Actually, you don't even really, you, thinking is not top of that list either. You actually turn off your thinking ability. It actually just turns on so that you can react quickly because at that point you just need to react quickly. So your body is in go mode to run away as quickly as possible or survive the situation. 
problem is most people these days are under this all the time and we need to get out of a fight or flight response because and look around you'll see most people are not thinking you can't be in a fight or flight and still think properly most people are on some kind of blood pressure medicine everybody's blood pressure is raised because they're in a fight or flight response I guarantee you most people could get off blood pressure medicine if they would just address the reason that they're stressed out not exercising and eating like shit so um, your body also doesn't heal when it's in this phase you can't be in healing mode which most of us need to be in healing mode for the amount of stress that we put ourselves under on a day-to-day -day basis so you can't be in a healing mode and be in a fight-or-flight response so they've done brain scans on, on this stuff and they've shown that some breathing techniques and some meditation techniques can within less than a couple minutes immediately put you back into that mode so I am a big big proponent of everything that I teach is better tools alcohol is not a great tool <laughs> it may de-stress you momentarily but it is not going to turn that off they they have not shown that drinking copious amounts of liquor helps to get you out of a, a fight-or-flight response but what does is a breathing technique a very simple breathing techniques um, and you can look some of these up you know if you keep following me or even join my LinkedIn group which is ex which is exceptionally effective Esquire um, if you join either if you join that group I'm going to be, be posting uh, breathing techniques I'm going to be posting some meditations I'll have different programs coming up right now a lot of the stuff I'm putting out is completely free so it's just because I want to make sure that I'm making an impact if I can if I can help you get out of this stuff very simply and these are long-term things you guys can begin using and the more that you use them the better you'll get at them and the more you'll be able to turn things off and begin to regularly get out of this and the more that you get used to being calm especially in a stressful situation because being an attorney you guys are in stressful situations pretty much 24 7 there is always an emergency depending on the law you're in there's a lot of the you know typical types of law that you are always in an emergency situation you're always putting out a fire because there's always another trial coming up there's always another um, you know pleading that's gotten dropped at your door there's always a new client who's coming in and their situation is you know the worst situation ever that's what every client thinks is theirs is the worst and some of them some of them truly are there are and the thing is is the other reason that attorneys have so much anxiety is because you guys you guys take on cases and you are the only profession that doesn't spend time managing the amount of stress you take on like if you go look at and I I hope if somebody else is talking about this situation please you know introduce me to them because I'd love to continue this conversation but people who are in the military they deal with the amount of stress and horrors that they see being on the front lines of all these different situations like there's no doubt that somebody who's been in the service has 
may have issues with PTSD because of what they've been through. There is no doubt that people who work on the front line, whether it be firemen or police officers, can have an enormous amount of stress that they need to deal with. There are so many types of things that are set up to handle this and to help this and to address this and to heal this with all of these professions because they understand that PTSD and suicide is an incredibly large problem in those fields. But nobody has addressed this in the legal field. Nobody has addressed what attorneys go through on a daily basis. And you cannot tell me that an attorney that does not have a file that is dropped in front of them that have um, a child that's been molested or that have a person who has been attacked, raped, brutally beaten, you know, you cannot tell me that that does not have the same effect on the attorneys that dive into that file and have to listen to every detail and have to do depositions and have to, you know, put enormous amounts of their energy into that situation. You cannot tell me that that does not have the same long-term effects as a police officer who, who walked into the same house and saw the same situation. Why do attorneys not address this? Why are attorneys not set up to begin working on the fact that you guys go through an enormous amount of stress? You're all human. We're all human. You need it. You need a way to debrief some of the things you see. You, you need a way to debrief seeing a horrible accident that some, uh, that's a wrongful death that somebody passed away. Because I know what attorneys, I know how much pictures you look through and how much information you read and how much, you know, on any given file. A case that my dad had that I will never forget. Um, he had this woman, she was just the sweetest woman you've ever met. And it was, um, he was actually just doing a parole hearing to make sure that the man that had attacked her would never get out of prison. The man that had attacked her, it had been a date and it had basically, um, she had gone on a date with him and basically it turned, and she had known him. So, I mean, he was not a complete stranger or anything. It was not, you know, this was a long time ago. So it was before online dating, <laughs> but, um, basically she went out with this guy. He, uh, attacked her. He raped her. He stabbed her multiple times. Um, and he actually carved things into her body with the knife that he attacked her with. And I remember when the file came in and it was pictures of the things that had been done, pictures of the scene afterwards. Uh, it was amazing that she had lived through it. My dad didn't take on the case to, you know, fight what had happened to her. That was done. That had been done years ago. He just took on the case to make sure that this guy never got out of prison because he was such a brutal, brutal, brutal attack. 
And those kind of things fall across attorneys' desks all the time, and they make an incredible impact. And I've had multiple attorneys talk to me about having PTSD issues because they've had cases that have been incredibly difficult. You can't, you can't unsee those things. So we're sitting and talking about anxiety, like you have to get yourself in a position that you're emotionally healthy and that you have the tools to be able to continue to represent the people that need you. And this is not because you are unfallible. This is because we as humans often don't put the oxygen mask on ourselves first, but we cannot continue to represent the people who need us unless we tend to what we need to make sure that we can continue to keep it going. Your car can't keep going if you don't continue to put gas in it, if you don't take care of it, if you, don't, if you ignore the, uh, the alarm signals and the warning signs. So when we're talking about anxiety, you guys have got to find tools. And it's one of my goals is to give you guys tools so that you can manage these situations. You know, in, in your law firm, if you need to have access, if, if, you, if you have a law firm that takes on incredibly challenging cases on a regular basis, then it may need to be a regular part of the situation that you have the ability to do debrief like people who are in the service or people who are in uh, emergency services like police officers and because you can only do that stuff for so long before it begins to tear a piece of your soul away and if you're not working at putting that back then you fall into that opinion that attorneys are a bunch of heartless um, tin men But there is something incredibly beautiful about being able to know that there's a purpose behind what you're doing and to get your control back and to begin to heal the things that have caused you to get in the situations that you're in, but also be able to manage these situations and have a, have, be able to see things with a bit of grace and to learn how to deal with your anxiety so that you can help other people and truly be there for them. Because if you're running on fight or flight, you're going to burn out. And there are a lot of people who need really good attorneys. And I did not make this for the people who want to be average. I made this for the people who want to be exceptional. This is about being exceptional. And you cannot be exceptional if you do not deal with, with the things that... Um, we all have the most difficulty dealing with. I swear to you, if you begin to deal with your own anxiety, you will conquer so many more things in your life. This is the tip of the iceberg, and everything from here is a piece of fucking cake. Seriously. Healing yourself is the biggest, the biggest gift you will ever give this entire world. If you can remove anxiety from your life, you will show up for people around you in a way that you never knew was possible. You won't be juggling. It's a phenomenal thing. It is a beautiful fucking thing. You can see when somebody is able to be calm in the middle of a storm and handle a situation like nobody else.
and there are people who show up in their life part of the time, but this is about showing up like that all of the time. And I can help you do it. So I hope you guys have really enjoyed today. I hope this has been um, a little bit of a eye-opener. Um, I'm going to be coming out with some some programs on meditation, breathing, calming, because I think it's something that everybody needs these days. If we hadn't just come out of 2020, um, I think we would need it anyway. <laughs> I think that this is stuff that, I think this is stuff that so many people um, have difficulty have have difficult challenges with, and stop ignoring, you know, stop ignoring the signals. Like, begin to ask yourself questions. What what is what does this really come from? What are ways that I can really deal with this? And exercise is a great one too. I think exercise is a great tool, but I, I, exercise does not handle this stuff as, quicking, as quickly as a meditation or breathing technique. So uh, check out my LinkedIn group and make sure you're following me on other social media. Please subscribe to my podcast. Look forward to next week where we're gonna talk about numbing which is something that, you know, I mean, the reason I address all these things is because I've done them all wrong. <laughs> and my goal is to help you not do them all wrong. So I hope you guys have an amazing day and uh, always strive for bliss.